This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Liverpool have equaled the biggest Premier League victory record by beating Bournemouth 9-0 at Anfield in remarkable fashion as the Reds truly kick-started their season. Welcome along everyone to the post-game podcast with me, Patrick Smith, as we divulge into a record-breaking, unbelievable Liverpool performance. Boy, did Jurgen Klopp's men need that after a tricky couple of weeks, with the Reds scoring nine for the first time since the Division 1 win over Crystal Palace in 1989. Another interesting stat, Liverpool had five different goal scorers in the first half of a competitive match for just the second time in the club's history, the first being against Higher Walton in September 1892. Join us here on the post-game podcast for the reactions of Theo Squires and Tom Kavir from Anfield, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and the view from the cop with the fan reaction, who may be somewhat disappointed they didn't make it 10. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Verdict, at least I think that's what we uh, call it these days. It's been a while since we've done one of these in person. I know, I know, we spoil you, but not as much as Liverpool sport us today. A record-breaking nine goals, 9-0 Premier League win against Bournemouth. Yes, that's right, you did hear that right, nine. Uh, it's their greatest ever victory in the Premier League, a record-breaking one in terms of the all-time uh, Premier League records. And Tom, where, where to start? What performance? The perfect response after this uh, dismal start to the season we've seen from the Reds. Yeah, um, Klopp, you know, would have wanted a response today and he, he definitely got that from the performance. Um, just from the first minute, really, it's everything we hadn't seen in the other games this season. Uh, really quick, um, off the mark in the first few minutes, Diaz gets the first goal, I think, inside four minutes. Exactly what they needed because, you know, in all the other games this season, it's been really slow from Liverpool. They've looked really lethargic even in, in the um, early stages of the game. But today it was complete contrast, uh, very quick on the ball, a lot of intensity in the performance, and that sort of set the tone really just from the first five minutes um, for how the game carried on throughout the match. You say the first five minutes there, they were like 2-0 up inside yeah. six minutes, yeah. weren't they? And you think with this run we've been on, we're conceding first, I think it's nine times in the last 11 games dating back to April. Mm. It, it was the perfect response there to settle any nerves here inside Anfield, to get those two goals that are now what we just need to put on a show. Mm. Yeah, um, like you said, falling behind in games has been the problem this season, but going back to last season as well. And... I think if Bournemouth had got the lead, a few people were saying it probably would have got a bit toxic in here. Probably could have been the case as well, I think, if that had happened, because just how negative the performances have been this season, Liverpool really needed to get that first goal, settle the nerves down, and the team, the confidence, you could just see it growing as soon as they got that goal. And then, like you said, in the second half, it was just a case of adding to that tally. Bournemouth didn't, I don't think they had really one shot you know, any quality throughout the whole game. It was just constant pressure on them. And yeah, it's one of the best performances obviously we've seen well, in years from Liverpool's getting nine goals, only four, four team in the Premier League era to do it. So, shame they couldn't get a tenth, but um, no. <laughs> yeah, the clock did urge yeah. to. Oh well, can't yeah. have everything. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many individual performances we can uh, go through today. Let, let's start with the obvious one. Roberto Firmino, a lot's been said about his goal-scoring record, a lot's been said about his future, his role at Old Trafford. What a response from him. Two goals, a hat-trick of assists. They were singing C Senor, I think, after 18 <laughs> minutes he'd started that well. Uh, what did you make of his showing today? No, really good, yeah. Um, Firmino, like you said, he's not really been the player we saw 
three or four years ago when I think it was 2017-18 season when you know sort of really peaked for Liverpool. Uh, we've never quite seen the same for me. You know, he's sort of looked a bit slower a lot of the time on the ball. Doesn't you know hasn't scored as many goals in the last few years for Liverpool. But you know today that was just a sort of throwback performance from him really. Um, you know, involved I think in five like you said five of the goals they scored. Um, couldn't have really done much more and just shows that he can still be an important player for Liverpool. There's obviously been links um, with Firmino to other clubs, Juventus and Klopp sort of shut that down quite quickly saying that he's still an important player for us, we'd like to have him here and that's why because he's the sort of player that can make a difference when the likes of Jota um, and Nunez are missing. He might not be the first choice anymore, I'm sure he knows that more than anyone but that performance is an indicator of you know what could be um, he can fight for Liverpool throughout the season. I'm sure there'll be a fair few happy fans who've got in the fantasy team today, won't there? <laughs> but uh, let's let's I suppose uh, Lewis Diaz he got two goals as well, another mm. electric performance from him. Both great headers. It's something that we've not really seen from him before. I don't think maybe he scored a header against. Oh, we set one up against Aston Villa. Sorry, but seeing it was just Sadio Mane, Diogo yeah. Jota that provided that in the attack. We're expecting Nunes to provide that in the attack. It's good to see him show that he can do that as well. He can be a threat in the air, especially from set pieces. Yeah, well, I mean he was a threat pretty much everywhere on the pitch. <laughs> he gave away that foul just over here uh, early on in the game, just chasing down every player in the ball. He's just so he's been so good for Liverpool ever since he's come here, and like you said, his his sort of natural talent is more dribbling, running at opponents. But if he can add that to his game, headers as well, that's you know it's another bonus, another another way of scoring for Liverpool. Uh, obviously different to his first goal of the season against Palace, just cutting from outside the box and you know an individual piece of brilliance. Um, nothing to do with aerial ability, but. Like you said, if he can start adding that to his game, it's going to make him even more of a threat for Liverpool. So, it's, yeah, it's a bonus for Liverpool. Harvey Elliott, you got his first Premier League goal today. Brilliant strike from outside the box. Now, he was great for 45 minutes. He had to come off at half-time. You can already feel the groans and the worries coming here. There's another <laughs> Liverpool midfielder who's come off injured, but you, you've sat in Jurgen Klopp's uh, press conference. He's played that down. Hopefully, that doesn't mean they're not going to go for a new midfielder still, but we'll get to that later. But what did you make of Elliott's? And have you got a bit more on that injury update that the manager's just offered? Uh, yeah, I think Klopp just said it, it was just a precaution to take him off. I think they said after they checked out and it's going to be nothing too serious, they hope. So, yeah, hopefully Elliot is not another one added to the long list of midfielders that are not playing. Uh, yeah, he was really good again. Um, he's looked very good in both the well, three games he has played in. I know he came off the bench against Fulham, Palace. He was probably one of the only good players and against United as well. He looked bright even in a team that pretty awful, like apart from him. And again today, you know, he's he's always looking to go forward and went on the ball, a bit like Carvalho in that way, and Diaz driving at the team at the teams. So no, it's it'd be a shame if he is out for a while, but you wouldn't imagine that would be the case just from how he's described the injury. It's been a really positive see start to the season for him, just as it was last year. Obviously he got derailed by that injury at Leeds. Um, hopefully he doesn't get any more setbacks like that and I'm sure he'll go on to play an important role for Liverpool this season. Now two players who have had a bit of stick I suppose so far this season, they've not reached their normal levels. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgin van Dijk, both on the score sheet yeah. tonight. That's the perfect response yeah. from those two isn't it? Yeah, um, as soon as Trent was on the ball there you could hear everyone telling him to shoot. I think he's tried a couple of them like already this season that haven't come off. Obviously we've seen him do it last season against Newcastle. He, he can, he can do it from that range and great goal from him. 
I'm sure he probably would not want have wanted that after you know a tough start for the season, like you said for him. Usually a player that's you know performing such a high standard every week for Liverpool, and the same for Van Dijk as well. Very rarely has an off day. Man United was an off day, but again scores a goal today and yeah, didn't put a foot wrong all day for Liverpool. So we got an assist for the own goal as well, of course. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that means we've only got one goal scorer left to go through, and that's. Fabio Carvalho, I'm sure there'll be comments here saying I've missed one, but I think that's all nine. Um, he came on at half-time for Elliot. We've seen glimpses of his talent, and he showed it again today. A wonderful volley, opens his account in front of the cop. Liverpool have got themselves a gem there, haven't they? Yeah, and I think that's probably why they pushed so hard to sign him as well, having missed out on him on, in January. Going back in for him in the summer, you can clear to see why they were interested. Um, he's looked, again, like Elliot, very bright when he's come on for Liverpool and played the season. I actually thought he might start today. was hoping maybe we might see him from the start, freshen it up a little bit. But obviously Klopp knows best. He, uh, well, the team he did put out works in the end. And Elliot and Cavalio has come on and done well. So I'm sure Klopp's aware of his talent and he'll probably get plenty of opportunities this season, you would imagine. Well, maybe if uh, Elliot is more of a precaution and if they don't want to risk him against Newcastle, Carvalho, we might see him there, of course. But I want to just finish on one thing. The owner, John W. Henry, was in the house today. We know Jurgen Klopp said yesterday that he's in the market for a new midfielder. Now, when you go and beat a team 9-0 and the midfield does as well as that, you wouldn't mind, I suppose, the only you could just understand go, actually, what you've got is quite good. But now, nah, Liverpool, it should still go for something. Like If this is what they can do when getting yeah. back to the form, you put a new midfielder in there and it is going to be sensational. What do you expect to happen in the next few days? You think once someone will come in? Um, putting you on the spot yeah. here, just to get you in trouble. I know you're not on the podcast on Monday, so we need to get stitch you up now before the, the window closes. I think that they should still sign someone yet, because we've seen it so many times now with the injuries coming back to bite Liverpool. It's already happened, and we're only three weeks into the season where it looks great on paper before the season starts. Same thing happened last year, and then you get the injuries that seem inevitable at the moment of Liverpool. So they can't. They can't afford to risk that happening again later on in the season because if it does, and we're going and Liverpool are going for the title along with Man City, it's going to be a problem because they've got that depth they can bring on from the bench and and Liverpool haven't had that the last few games. You've seen the bench and it's been the likes of Bobby Clark, Setic, uh, Seth Vandenberg, a lot of players you know that you wouldn't really want to bring on necessarily to impact the game. Thiago is the big one that you want back. Because you can't count on him too much, they need to have someone else that you can throw into the mix because you just can't rely on him and navigators the same as well. So they need that player that can has a good injury record, hopefully, um, because they can't afford to keep having this happening. And that was the cherry on the cake, of course, those youngsters coming on for debuts. But you've heard it here, John Henry, Tom Cavilla has a message for you to get a <laughs> midfielder in before Thursday. Now, it's a great result for Liverpool today, 9-0. I think they're still five points off Man City, but they've sent out that statement. Jürgen Klopp's told the fans to go out and celebrate. So all you Blood Red viewers, go out and celebrate as well. Enjoy the weekend. It's a bank holiday. Klopp said it's a perfect one. And now just strap yourselves in. We'll wait and see if Liverpool get anyone in before Thursday's deadline. Um, stay tuned to the Echo website for all our post-match content. I've done the verdict. Tom's done analysis, which will be on the website in this morning. You've got um, in the morning. You've got player ratings on there as well, along with all our other great video content and podcasts to come. And be sure there is going to be plenty to talk about in the next few days with Liverpool's injury list. Hopefully, getting a little bit shorter, and maybe just maybe we'll see one final transfer. Until next time. The post-game podcast.
podcast on the Blood Red channel. Yeah. So we had to prove a point. We had to prove a point for ourselves. Um, it's a sh after short preseason with mixed results, good performances, less than good performance, which is completely normal for a preseason. Having an absolute highlight that early in the season and playing a really good stuff and then dropping for some reason. Um, we, yeah, I know how it sounds when you lose a game and, and then you, you try to explain it. It's always the same. Everybody, each manager in the world is, is a fantastic entertainer when you, when you win football games in the moment, when you try it, when you have to answer questions um, after you lose a game and you try to find explanations. They always sound like excuses or whatever. Um, and that's why it's the public part of my job is completely not important. It's just important what we, what's the conclusion for us. And we, 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 that's why I said we had to prove a point for us. We were not happy with the way we played. We had good moments in nearly all the games where we showed um, things which we are strong at and other things where we have to improve. And that what what we had to do today, but it's not that you cannot make a list and, and um, take them all off the list step by step. You just have to give the game a proper direction, and that's why I love the start today so much. Um, that we really didn't hesitate, we didn't hold anything back, we just went into the game full flying, and put them under pressure, had the battles in the right areas, in the box, around the box, bodies in the box. Second ball situations go again, and these kind of things. Yes, counter-attacking threat, of course, but um, that's the risk you have to take. We cannot do everything in the same moment. Um, and then you get this early goal, and you get the second two wonderful goals. How we played it, how we how we were positioned, the, the, the finishing, the, the setup, all brilliant. And and we kept going. Um, scored different goals, and obviously, but. Um, all, always with the same purpose. Keep going. Put them under pressure. Don't stop. Um, and then it's five minutes for half time, and it, I, I couldn't respect more what 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 Scott is doing at Bournemouth in um, not the easiest circumstances, how I can see from outside. Um, so it was not at all about when we half time for us was important that we again keep going because it's early in the season. It's not for us now to control it a little bit and uh, let them score one and have this kind of um, bitter taste after a wonderful afternoon. So and you get out the blocks again with uh, with six nil um, and then everybody scored. We could bring on the, the 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 kids which deserve it so much. So we could rotate if you want. At the start of the most busy period I ever experienced, uh, I can say it already before we play it, <laughs> um, it will be crazy. And in the end, it was the, the perfect football afternoon for us. Um, and a lot of different goal scorers, all these kind of things. So wonderful goals, fantastic situations. And we all know that we needed something like that, where we had bigger chance in other games and didn't use them. That's the nature of the thing. But um, at one point you need, I think Fabio had an easier situation against Palace, if I'm right, 
with volley where the whole goal was open and now today he takes the volley and it's in, it's in. so yes now he knows he can do that we all knew it before and now we can go from here <laughs> yeah top top but in, in a bunch of outstanding football players and top performances today um loft robos impact him for example makes all the difference for us when he's that lively um, but bobby yes so he played and we all i know that's not a moment to talk about individual performances when you lose at man united 2-1 but he played a really good game there Imagine a game against United, but in the end, 70% possession. Without Bobby, it would have been probably 49 or whatever. So he was um, everywhere. But today was a completely different game. So for him, again, high up, a pitch more between the, the center halves, um, dropping, yes, but in different areas between the lines and being and underlapping, being arriving in the box, being part of the, the massive chance first half when it was the little one-two with Harvey, I think. Back heel, that's Bobby Firmino, how we all know him. And it's for him, if you talk about what can you get off the chest, this was a massive game today. Yeah. So, um, and um, timing couldn't have been better, to be honest. Harvey felt just a little bit. In no other game, he would have we would have taken him off. But being five 0 up, um, we we thought oh, if that's not the moment, then the moment will never come again. He, he's nothing after the game assessment. Now spoke now only recently with the physio. Should be completely fine. Do you think where, where does this rank personally? Uh, in your own career? Oh. Didn't think a second about that. I don't know. It's not. I, I know. So nine 0 is a strange result. Will not happen often. Um, in the in the combination with the weather we had today, it probably will never happen again. Um, too much would be too much coincidence. Um, and but it's very important. That's why I said the word needed. It just feels. It's not that we look. It's not that we worked less. In, that, in the last eight weeks or whatever it is since we started again. It's not like that. It's not that we thought, ah, that would be difficult. No, no, no. We were, we were all in a really good mood. We really liked what we saw most of the time. And then you don't get it really on, on the ground. So that you have, then have, you have to, 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 to turn a few other screws. And, but that's a job, obviously. And so, of course, when it then works out like today, it's fantastic. But for us and everybody should celebrate today so it's now quarter to six so early let's go out have a nice uh, weekend great but obviously we are now very close to Newcastle already and um, I'm not sure which game is tomorrow live on telly does anybody know is it at for two o'clock kickoffs was okay perfect weekend Who, who who said that? All these people. Gary Neville in particular said that. Gary Neville. <laughs> um, now, um, after the after United game, I said, well, I, mean, I, I told now how difficult it is to answer question after thing. And if I see positive things in a two-one defeat against United, people think I'm a bit mad. Um, this game with us, a bit, a little bit more us. We should have won this game. So, and I don't say that about all games we played against United. We lost against them in, in, in different circumstances. This specific game, we really felt became short, but because of ourselves, not not for other for other reasons. Um, 
and so there was something to build on, but it's difficult to 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 get that out of a game like this. So you, you better ignore it completely, use it as a completely negative experience. So did we see it coming? No. Um, did I think, uh, not, neither last week nor, nor today. Um, but it's not out of this world that we lose at United 2-1, uh, especially when we don't perform on our highest level. That can, can happen and is very likely to happen then. Um, and for today, I wanted the start we, we showed, and then the rest is we cannot give we cannot give guarantees for results, but what we expect from ourselves is that we give guarantees for performance levels. And um, today, we started. That's one answer. Jürgen, you said you got a lot of respect for Scott Parker in your program notes. You said as well they were a proper team, they back a proper team. How they all promoted last year. Can you feel any sort of sympathy yeah. this side? Yeah. You got a job to do. Have you spoken to him? No, not about that. We spoke, of course, but not about that. He didn't moan or whatever about the situation. But when you look at the the the, the, the other two teams who went up, and you look what they what they spend, um, and then you look at Bournemouth and you think, okay, <laughs> uh, what uh, will happen there? It's not about the, the squad is not strong enough or whatever. Not at all. It's just the league is a really tough one. It's a really tough one, and especially in a, I think in a club like Bournemouth, you need a backing from everybody um, because that it will be difficult. It's clear in the moment when you have the promotion. There's already clear the problem start now. So, um, and I, I think he's doing an incredible, absolutely outstanding job arriving there and, uh, and, and getting promoted immediately in a league with where Fulham is flying away. That was was a big one. Nottingham from a specific one flying. That was a big one. Um, yes, I have a lot of sympathy for him. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mike Holt from Going to Match Podcast with my review on Liverpool 9, Bournemouth 0. Just the nine goals for Liverpool today. Settling a Premier League record. Um, couldn't even tell you who scored because more than half the team did, but our performance in general was completely opposite to the one we've seen against Man United that's the hunger and desire that we we want to see the attitude the application was completely different and that's exactly what we want to see going forward um, everything today went right that it could have done and as obviously as you can hear the Liverpool fans are full in voice uh, we were begging for 10 at the end to break the Premier League record, but we've equaled it. And I think, you know, we really took three points at the start of the game and the performance was the main thing. And, you know, we can't really go into individual performances because as a collective, the application was right, the desire was right, the attitude was right. And we need to take this now into the Newcastle game on Wednesday. Three massive points and we'll continue to do so, hopefully. Really positive performance from Liverpool at Bournemouth and exactly the reaction you would want coming from the side after a really disappointing night against Manchester United. Both on the ball and off the ball, I felt Liverpool were, were exceptional, albeit against limited opposition at this level, but you can only beat them from what's in front of you. And I think it will be massively pleasing to the management and coaching staff to get that reaction out of the players, both, both as a collective and individually. There were some really outstanding performances. So I think... 
obviously there's loads of talking points I suppose to come out of the game in terms of how well Liverpool play but I think the big one still hinges on midfield because I felt within this game it showcased why Jürgen Klopp has had the opinion at the start of the season of waiting for his top transfer targets or the players he really wants in that midfield section of the pitch before going into the market and instead relying and having his trust in up-and-coming players such as Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones and obviously Fabio Carvalho who at this moment in time is operating in the higher line of the pitch but still is a midfield option. And the reason I say that is because the performance of Elliott, I felt, and throughout the season really, since Liverpool have started the season, I feel that Elliott's been Liverpool's best player. I think he's got a little bit of craft in that, being able to find passes, progress the ball in terms of his, his passing variety and different skill set in, in his ability to play elevated passes, play through passes or play round the opposition as well. I think he's got a real skill set to his game which makes him a player who is going to get better and better and you can completely understand judging by the performances so far this season and today's performance why Jürgen Klopp would want to give this player as many minutes on the football pitch as possible and the fact that if a signing was to come in who was not the ideal candidate could then diminish the minutes in which he could play in that midfield and the same can be said for Curtis Jones because Curtis Jones is not playing at the moment obviously he's injured but he's a real talent as well and when you think of Elliot playing inverted on that right-hand side and Jones playing inverted on the left-hand side, they're two top talents who you want to get on the playing field. Also, in Fabio Carvalho, because in that sort of hybrid forward attacking midfield role, he he needs to play. He, he won't have come in being sold the vision that he won't be involved. This is a top-class player and you don't want any of these paths blocked. I mean, the idea for any top team operating at the elite level is to get the best young English talent. We know about the quotas. I think it's eight players within the squad who obviously have to take up positions within your roster. And there's no question in my mind that these three players are right at the pinnacle for me of top English talents. And again, that is the thought process of Jürgen Klopp. When he's looking at his squad at the start of this season and he's seeing the experienced options he's got in midfield, he's then seeing players who he can dip in and out, build up that experience and become better and better with a view to them being first-team players. And I have no question in them three players in my mind. If they're given enough time on the playing field, will go on to be that. Now, whether they go on to be the absolute first-team player for Liverpool or become or remain a squad player for Liverpool. That remains to be seen, but you want to give them the best opportunity to flourish and have the, the amount of minutes to be able to do so. And that will be his thought, would have been his thought process, no question. Now, it's obvious that things have changed somewhat because the level of injuries and unavailability within Liverpool's midfield has made this, meant there's been an imbalance in that. Then what's happened is he's had to rely on six to seven choice player, such as James Milner, to come in, in there at the twilight of his career. And unfortunately, the drop-off has been huge, added to the fact that some of the players are simply not playing well when you look at Fabinho's start of the season, when you look at Jordan Henderson's last few months in which he has regressed to the point in terms of his form. There's a lot of factors that have had to come together to enable a situation where now Klopp is looking at other options. Now, 
if you break down the midfield into three sections of the pitch, so if you start on the left-hand side and you look at the options there, you've got Thiago, fantastic. We know, world-class player. Naby Keita, excellent player. Brilliant understudy for Thiago if he's fit because he, in that sort of controlling left-hand side role, he is the most stylistically or positional profile similar to Thiago and fits in and the results map that out when both of these players are available to play the role and then you've obviously got Curtis Jones as your third choice who's got unbelievable seal and he could possibly get to a lot more of an attacking player but nonetheless three options are really high level and and good choices for me now obviously all three of them have been ruled out so that's decimated the left-hand side of Liverpool's midfield if you look at the holding position Fabinho has not played up to the level you would want him. Jordan Henderson, for me, is a player who now should primarily be used in that position as a backup to Fabinho or a rotation option. I feel I still believe he's, a, he's an excellent option in that role where he can see the game in front of him and doesn't have to operate in them more elevated areas, say the inside right position, which he has done previously very well for Liverpool throughout the seasons. But as his physical capacity diminishes and his peak diminishes, having to make decisions in congested, with congested um, limited amounts of time and space in higher areas of the pitch and contribute to the attack and fade. I believe that's a little bit below Henderson for the elite level at this moment in time playing for Liverpool. So you have Henderson and Fabinho as, as options in there. Now, it could be argued you want another one in there. Klopp's argument might be, well, listen, if push comes to shove and we needed the fair choice option that could be James Milner for example that I imagine that's what Klopp would, would believe and he'd believe that Milner acting as this 6th, 7th choice midfield option and the leadership he brings off the field to play again would be good in terms of the hierarchy system and what you what he sort of brings to the group as a whole and then finally you look at the right hand side of the pitch now this could be the arguments that people have and I understand it because Liverpool Obviously wanted to, to look for Tuchemeni and buy the player. Obviously, he went to Real Madrid. But he was a player who could potentially play as a higher player on that right-hand side, but also as the deepest line player. And I think this is the, the position the Klopp would be most looking to, to sort of upgrade. Because if you look at it, Oxlade-Chamberlain's obviously got injured, but we know he has not been trusted by Klopp in that, in that area. And you would have seen him as a fair choice. Henderson, you imagine, would have been Klopp's first choice. And then you've got an outstanding talent in Harvey Elliott as your second and that's what the hierarchy of that right-hand side would have been in Klopp's mind. Now, I have no problem with, with someone saying that Liverpool need a, a potential better, more experienced option in there. So the weight and the load that Elliot then carries isn't as much. But Liverpool went for Tushimani. They couldn't get him over the line. We know how Liverpool operate. They, they buy the best of what they perceive as the best for their side. And if... Reports are led to be able to believe an established journalist that Jude Bellingham is the second choice but unattainable this this summer. Then again, at the start of the season, when everybody's fit, you can see and understand why Klopp may, may have gone with the selection that he did in terms of not looking to go into the transfer market. But again, a lot has changed since that point to bring us to the, the present day in which Jürgen Klopp has now stated that he may need to go into the market and the the identity of the individual who he may try and acquire will be really, really interesting to me. I think it'll be fascinating because, yeah, for me, it has to be that hybrid player who can play the deeper position or the right-hand side. I think that's what you'd be looking for. You'd be looking for a more a player who can fit into that deepest role alongside the more advanced uh, hybrid 
role of maybe that Jeannie Van Alden previously played. He was obviously the fair choice in, in the defensive position and obviously could play either right or left in the higher positions. And I had a conversation with Guy Clark a couple of weeks ago, obviously on the podcast, and I was talking about Frankie De Jong. I don't think it was on the podcast, I think it was a conversation just me and him were having. And I said, I don't understand at the time why Manchester United were in for De Jong and Liverpool weren't sniffing around this player. Obviously, he fits the profile of everything they would need. Good age profile as well at 25, arriving in his peak years. I know he hasn't performed at the level that previous at Barcelona did at Ajax. But stylistically, and some of the qualities he brings in progressing the ball, in his athleticism and his technical ability, for me, would have fit perfectly with Liverpool in terms of looking for that hybrid defensive um, number eight player. So that is interesting. But Guy made a great point when we were talking about the, you know, the restrictions of Frankie De Jong's wages, and I think that would be the hindering block to that move. So yeah, it's really interesting in terms of how how it looks for Liverpool going forward, what player they will select over the next coming days. But I would still be of the opinion that if that right player wasn't there and Klopp was not 100% convinced in terms of being one of the top targets, I would rather these exciting elite talents that Liverpool have got coming through for the age group have opportunities on the playing field. That would be my view. And I believe they're good enough to progress and become real stars for Liverpool. So it's a difficult balancing act, but one I'm really interested to see how it plays out over the next week or so. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 9-0 win against Bournemouth at Anfield. So much energy and a sense of urgency right from the off, which was, of course, important given our very slow and uh, poor starts in recent times. Great pace, enthusiasm. I think it all it all came from it all stemmed from the fact that we that we got a good start. I think that relaxed everybody. It was a weight off our shoulders. Players then conducted their business with a, a far greater sense of freedom and and enjoyment. I think as well, um, which was marvellous. And if you look at what it meant to the players, I think that was probably exemplified by Harvey Elliott's reaction um, to his own goal. I can't be sure, but it seemed to me as if there might have been the odd tear in the eye there. I think perhaps um, his continued journey back from injury um, and it's such a great goal as well. And to do that at Anfield in the Premier League at a time when Liverpool have clearly not been having the best of times. And I think Andy Robbo kept him in a headlock for a slightly longer time than was needed because I think Harvey was a little bit emotional and Andy wanted to give him a little bit of privacy so that he could deal with that in the moment. And it was a, it was very nice, very nice indeed to see. Lots of other nice things to see, of course. Um, the other youngster on the field, Carvalho, once again came on and impressed. And uh, it can't really be long before he, he starts a string of games, particularly if we continue to have injury problems and if we don't recruit in midfield, I think there's a great opportunity now to bring Carvalho on. A little note of caution, I think he got a little bit like Nunez the other day, he was he was wound up by Bournemouth's players, a couple of times he got knocked to the ground and was they were trying to sort of forcibly pick him up and he, he'd pick him, pick him up and put him to his feet. But he took issue with that, didn't he? And nearly lost his head. And he's not the biggest of fellas. He could get knocked around a bit if he gets if he gets too annoyed at things like that. And um, 
thankfully he was uh, he was separated by Mo Salah and pushed pushed away. He's got to just keep his head screwed on in that sense, and uh, I'm sure Jurgen will take that into uh, you know take that under his wing and uh, and perhaps have a word with him in the in the coming days. I don't think Bournemouth are very good, so I, I don't think we should probably get too excited. But nonetheless, you can you can only put out a performance that is impressive, and 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 that's what they did. And I think if I focus on assists more than goals, uh, because I think that's what gave me most pleasure. First of all, that Bobby got in amongst it with three assists, in addition to the two goals. It's hard not to make him man of the match based on those statistics. And at a time when there were stories linking Bobby with a, a swap deal for a midfielder that we desperately need, that comes at a very, very good time for him and a good time for us as Bobby Firmino fans. Um, particularly given that we're struggling with personnel up front, it's good to know that we can have Bobby in there and that he can contribute so well. And I was, I didn't tweet this, but I was, I started a tweet and then withdrew it because I didn't see enough balance in my side. But it was a side that didn't include Bobby Firmino. I was trying to put Harvey Elliott up front. I was thinking about putting Fabio Carvalho up front. Uh, and in the end, I, it didn't seem to make much sense. So I withdrew my tweet, didn't, didn't publish it. But there it was, it was the, I was trying to to keep Bobby out the side because he just he hasn't impressed uh, since that cameo appearance he made in the Champions League final. Um, but he's he's changed my mind again, <laughs> and uh, he looked very good today. I think a couple of assists from Simicas as well was was really good to see. And we've now seen him come on, if I'm not mistaken, three times in this Premier League campaign for Andy Robertson. Perhaps one of those occasions was in the Community Shield. I'm not sure. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but clearly there's a bit of a trend in him coming on um, for Andy Robertson. I, I think on this occasion it wasn't because Andy was playing poorly. I think it just it, it's good to keep Costas warm and, um, and, and in the groove. The first time he came on, he played poorly. Andy Robertson had played poorly and Simicast perhaps was even worse. This time they both played well. And when Simicast came on, his impact was immediate. Um, two very good assists. That that touch um, on the volley, I can't remember who's, who it was he supplied, but a super, a super assist. Um, <clears throat> I think it might have been Carvalho, was it? Not sure, might be wrong, but a really deft touch from Costas Simicast. And, and that was really, really good to see. The other thing that I would draw upon just moving away from the assists and going to the goals is that I was uh, I'd, I was certainly someone who'd noticed that there was a lack of end product from Luis Diaz and having scored last week was it and then a couple of goals not only goals but headed goals deploying very very good technique in the process was a nice surprise another string to his bow and perhaps putting Diaz in uh, central positions from time to time so that he can get up there and and demonstrate that to us a few more times this season would be a very, very good idea. 
really, really satisfying to see that. The whole day satisfying. Good that we've got a game in the middle of the week to come. Uh, keep riding on that wonderful momentum. Um, sadly, even though City went down 2 nothing, it was it was quite apparent that they were going to come back even before they got their first goal. So we just have to keep pressing on. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Hello, Alex Watt, and a much nicer performance to talk about today, to say the least. Um, who said Liverpool were in crisis? Um, an unbelievable turnaround to go from the performance against Man United last week to 9-0 today seems absolutely unbelievable, but absolutely breathtaking football at times. And we obviously wanted to see a response today, but I don't think we could have anticipated the level of response that we actually got. The chance of we want 10 from the supporters inside Anfield summed up what a mad day it was really. And I'm sure Southampton fans are happy as well because it means there's officially another Premier League game with that scoreline. So it doesn't have to always be about their 9-0 losses now. But yeah, a lot of concerns going into the game which seems mad to say now um but yeah after the last few performances you know the defense had looked disorganized the midfield had been a real worry but also a big part of the issue has been the finishing and it not really being on point up front and obviously Nunez's suspension uh for the game at Old Trafford didn't really help matters there but my God, that issue got put right today, didn't it? And then some with nine goals, nine. Um, It doesn't get any less mad the more you say it, really. But yeah, we just started so much quicker today and with loads more intensity and paid off with that really early goal for Luis Diaz. And then the second goal really soon after with that great finish from Harvey Elliott. You know, he's been a real shining light in these recent disappointing performances. So he deserved that goal. He was great all round today. But key man, of course, was Roberto Firmino, who seemed to have his samba back after a very flat game last weekend. You know, a hat-trick of assists, two goals, man-of-the-match performance. A timely reminder to his doubters that he's still a key member of this squad and this football club. You know, last weekend, or last week, we had people saying Bobby Firmino was washed, he couldn't score at Anfield, um, etc, etc. So it was a hell of a response from him, as well as from the team as a whole today, really. It felt like watching Liverpool <laughs> again with the way we started that game, the way we dominated and just the speed at which we were moving the ball. The beautiful incisive passing was back. There was that one in the first half that Salah should have finished really, which was just an unbelievable team move that, yeah, would have been a stunning team goal. And I mean, on that note, maybe the maddest thing about today is that we've just won a game 9-0 and Salah hasn't scored, he hasn't got an assist, which just seems bonkers, really. But it felt like Bournemouth were so focused on trying to keep him quiet that they forgot about the other nine outfield players that they had to worry about. Um, but yeah, the Salah lack of a goal and assist is obviously a nightmare for FPL managers. Um, as is deciding to bench Trent Alexander-Arnold and take Virgil van Dijk out entirely, like I did today, when... Obviously, both of them kept a clean sheet and scored. Um, phenomenal goal and performance from Trent in particular, which FPL aside, you absolutely love to see. And 
just too many great moments to mention really in just a few minutes you know Carvalho getting a goal too when he came on in the second half I was slightly surprised not to see him start today actually after he was such a bright spot against Man United last time out but safe to say Klopp ultimately made all the right calls on that front today um like I know it's Bournemouth so they've obviously had this difficult start to the season. We've got to take this performance and this result in context. But just the nature of it was so exciting, so promising for going forward now after this tricky start we've had. You know, the midfield looked balanced and effective again in a way it just hasn't for the other opening games. You know, the first half, Fabinho was screening the back four so effectively. Hendo was picking passes again and spotting the forward runs. He had a great game today. As I mentioned, Elliot had the freedom to attack. Carvalho came on and was really exciting. You know, it did feel very like, where has this team been for the last few games? Um, midfield felt like it was a real problem area. Whoever was playing um, felt like something was missing and that wasn't the case at all today you know hopefully we will still be bringing in a new midfielder because I think that's still really important to give us more options when the likes of Thiago are out but it's perhaps not the level of issue and the crisis again that some people thought it was prior to this game now yeah, the the key thing now is kicking on from this and not letting a nine-goal win lead to complacency against Newcastle. Um, we've seen it before where we'll decimate a team and then struggle in the games afterwards. So Liverpool definitely need to keep up the momentum. But yeah, just, just a hell of an afternoon. I mean, if we could just go and win every other game for the rest of the season 9-0... That would just be perfect because it just makes for a nicer viewing experience for me and other Liverpool fans, I think. So if Jürgen could see to doing this every weekend, that would be amazing. Uh, cheers up the Reds.